We can't back up and say, well, um, well, um, if we can ever become comfortable with understanding that all of it is God's word and all of it is truth and all of it is legit. And all of it will make a difference in your life. And all of it will help you get to heaven and spend eternity. If we can understand that, that even the hard things that we come up upon when we read it, we need to say, all right, all right. That's very challenging, Lord, and I need to start doing this. And so verses like what we just read is a challenge for many people. But today, we're going to meet that challenge head on. And hopefully before we leave today... Every one of us will meet that challenge head on and say, Lord, I'm ready. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, by your spirit, will you do what you please among us? God, I'm asking you that you will move upon us in such a powerful and miraculous and divine way that, Lord, today will be the day that we say, I make a decision, Lord, to follow you. I make a decision, Lord, to obey you. I make a decision, Lord, to do what you command me, no matter how challenging, no matter how difficult, whatever it is, Lord, that you're calling me to do, whatever it is, Lord, that you're telling me to do, Lord, today... Will you give me the strength and enable me to say yes to your will, to say yes to your way? Lord, remove the scales from my eyes that I don't see anymore the way I see. But today I pray that the Spirit of the living God will cause me to see the way you want me to see, Lord God. Lord, help me, Lord, to see it as you will have me to see it. Help me, Lord, to understand it the way you want me to understand it. Help me, Lord. To do it the way you want me to do it, Lord. For God, I can't do it on my own. I need your strength. I need your understanding. I need your revelation. We need your strength. We need your revelation. We need your understanding. We need for you to enable us to do what you want us to do. For Lord, we want to be ready when you return. We want to be ready when it's our time to leave this world. And we will be ready and prepared to meet you. Today I pray that somebody will be changed and prepared to meet you. Have your way, oh great God. Allow the gifts of the Spirit to operate. Anoint me to speak as your oracle. Touch the hearing of your people to hear what the Spirit is saying unto them, oh God. And today we will not, oh God, dismiss or reject the Word. But we will receive it and do it because it is your will. It is what's good for us. It is what's right and pleasing unto you. Hear our petition and our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody clap their hands unto the Lord. Come on, you can do better than that. I don't know what you came to do this morning. I don't know what's in your heart this morning. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're challenged with. But God wants to do something in your life. God wants to do something in your heart. God wants to do something in your spirit. You've got to give Him access. And your praise will prepare you. Your worship will prepare you to receive what God has in store for you. Somebody need to make up in their mind. God, I'm not leaving here until you bless me. I'm not leaving here until I'm changed. I'm not leaving here until I'm different. In the name of Jesus. The devil is in trouble this morning. You need to serve the devil notice and say, devil, you in trouble this morning. You thought you had me, but today I'm coming out. Today I'm breaking free. Today I'm starting my way in where God wants me to be. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah! Jesus is Lord! Jesus is Lord! Jesus is Lord! Jesus is real! Jesus is God Almighty! And we praise Him this morning. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. You may be seated if you can. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know if I'm going to tell you the title yet. I will tell you the title in a little bit. But hear me this morning what I have to say. It may seem that we have or it may seem that we are in control of our thoughts and behavior. But social psychology tells a different story. Social psychology is defined as the scientific study of how we think about, influence, and relate to one another. We are social beings. Most of us communicate with others every day, spending large portions of time and hours just communicating with others. One lesson from social psychology is the influence others have on us. Research show we do not have as much control over our thoughts and behavior as we think. We take cues from other environment, especially other people, on how to act. If other people do it, that means it's right. Right? There is a heuristic most of us use to determine what to do, think, say, and buy. It is the principle of social proof. To learn what is correct, we look at what other people are doing. In his best-selling book, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, the psychologist's Robert Cialdini writes, whether the question is what to do with an empty popcorn box in the movie theater, how fast to drive on a certain stretch of highway, or how to eat the chicken at a dinner party, the actions of those around us will be important in defining the answers. Social proof is a shortcut to decide how to act. So in other words, a lot of times we do things because other people are doing it. But the psychology behind why we're doing things because others are doing it, it's because it's a shortcut. It's easy. If you have to stop and figure it out on your own by yourself, that's too much time. That's too challenging. That's too much work. So let me see what everybody else is doing, and then I'll just do what they're doing, because it seems like what they're doing is just easy. It's not easy living for God, because this world is not set up to be conducive to living for God. And so what we don't realize is as you're trying to apply and implement godly things in this world, you are going against the tide and so it's hard. And our tendency as individual is to not go and fight with things that will make you have to fight and struggle. You want the easy way. And so because we want the easy way, we find ourselves not following the Lord because that's challenging. Clearly, others affect our behavior. One reason for this is that we live in a complex world. We use the decision of others as heuristic or mental shortcut. To navigate our life. English philosopher and mathematician Alfred North Whitehead once said, Civilization advances by extending the number of operations we can perform without thinking about them. So in other words... 
things move along quickly for us, we can get to the next thing as quick as possible. If everything we're doing, we don't have to use our mind. We just do it because it just is it's natural to us. So as, as, as quickly as we can just make things just operate without thinking, the quicker we move on to the next thing. Thoughtful reflection on social influence may lead us to greater awareness of ourselves and our relationship with others. That was the article by Rob Henderson, who was really smart. Ph.D. in this, Ph.D. in that, went to uh, University of Cambridge and all that stuff, scholar, psychologist. He went to Yale, top notch. I'm going to read another article to you. This article is entitled, The Bandwagon Effect. <laughs> like Fukando Cabro once said, we should just eat grass. Millions of cows can't be wrong. He's referring to the irony of following the majority without thinking critically about it. In other words, following other people just because they are the majority is what it's really hinting at. This is a cognitive bias known as the bandwagon effect. More precisely, the bandwagon effect is the belief that something is true just because the majority of people think it's true. Oh, church, will you help yourself this morning? Are you hearing what I'm saying? These are not Christian people that wrote these things. These are people that, are, have, that have studied the human behavior. These are people that have no clue who Jesus really is. They just studied the subject and gave you what they concluded. And they're saying that we're just bandwagon people. They're saying that we do things that the majority do and think it's right. Can I tell you this? Some of you won't know anything about this. The men that I hung out with Friday night probably understood where, understand where I'm coming from. The gambling places, casinos and all the gambling places. They are still in business, and they're making a killing always because the majority of people bet on favorites to win. They know that we like to follow one another. So if somebody said the Cowboys going to win today by more than three points, guess what? Everybody running to go bet on the Cowboys. So these gambling industries, they're making a killing because of our behavior cycle of saying the majority is always right. Billionaires, because we, the majority, we, the 8 million, 8 billion plus people in the world, keep doing the same things that everybody else is doing because we think it's right. And these casinos and all these betting places are just bathing in money because we like to follow each other. We don't check it out if it's right or wrong. We don't try to investigate to see what it will lead to. Oh, so-and-so is doing it. I might as well do it. Never thought twice about it. In other words, following other people just because they are the majority. This is a cognitive bias known as the bandwagon effect. More precisely, the bandwagon effect is the belief that something is true because the majority of people think it's true. People who fall victim to this cognitive bias do not base their judgment on evidence or logical reasoning. A lot of us are following the majority and never base the following the majority on logical reasoning. Which makes sense why a lot of people have not decided they need to follow Jesus. Because if we're living our life non-logical, 
If we're living our life just watching other people so we can determine what to do, why would I follow Jesus? Because as I look around every day when I go to work, when I go to school, in my community, most people aren't following Jesus. So if most people aren't following Jesus and the majority is always right, I might as well follow them. And that's why we don't have people following Jesus. Does that mean following Jesus is wrong? Because I believe that we've been set up and we're at a place now where everybody's trying to figure out, oh, is that really necessary? Oh, should we really do that? Oh, do we need to do this? You know why? Because the majority is weighing on you and you have determined that you are going to be a part of the bandwagon effect by allowing the majority to dictate how you should live, how you should think, what you should do. I'm here to tell you today, uh, the study of proven, uh, the majority is not always right. Uh, The majority is not always right. If we can really get a hold of this today, we will get so comfortable in our skin and living for Jesus. We won't worry about how we look. We won't worry about where we go. We won't worry about our behavior because we will realize in this case pertaining to Jesus, the majority is so way off that I'm not worried about how they think about me because I'm right and they're wrong. I hope they become right like I am right. But right now, I I'm right, and the majority is wrong, and I'm going to go in the way Jesus wants me to go. Woo! We struggle to live for God because we're worried about what the majority is doing. I'm not worried about the majority. I'm worried about what Jesus says. Really, truly, if you want to think about it, He is the majority. We just look at it from a minority standpoint, but the Lord, everything consists in Jesus. He is the one that holds this world together, and in Him is everything. And so He really is the majority, but we could never see that. Uh Uh-huh. You getting on the bandwagon and following everybody? You going to follow everybody? Because that's really what we're dealing with. It's really where the struggle is in living for God. Is every time you feel uncomfortable with something. You know why you feel uncomfortable? Because what you're doing is the minority. But what you are seeing is the majority. And we have to get it straight and get it right in our mind that in this case, the minority is right. And so I don't care how uncomfortable I am looking the way that I am. I know who I am. I was made in His image. I know who I am and I'm going to keep on Keeping on because I know that I'm all on the right track. We get around people and we become uncomfortable the way we look. We get around people and we become uncomfortable in the things that we say and, 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 and describing our lives because we're, we know that nine times out of ten it's going to be different from everybody. And so we stay quiet. We become intimidated. Brother Henry taught a great Bible lesson this morning in Sunday school, and he talked about in one of the uh, just areas as he's talking talk about fear, being fearful. Listen, fear comes from not knowing. That's, that, that's just where it comes from. So we always become fearful when we don't know something. When we can't figure out what it's going to do. When we can't tell what will be the ending. We can't tell how it will affect us. We become fearful. But Trini, Jesus is what they call omniscient. He is all-knowing, Trini. If I am in Christ and he's all mine and I'm living for him, I can't be fearful. Why? Because the one who's all-knowing, the one who's all-powerful, the one who can keep me and protect me, no matter, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It doesn't matter what I'm going through, it doesn't matter where I am, Jesus is present everywhere, all at once, all-knowing and all-powerful. Why do I have to fear anything. Anything! <laughs> 
But that's when you know Jesus. Know Jesus and you don't have to worry about no fear. But when you don't know, you will get fearful. Because you're wondering how will this affect me? I wonder what's going to happen. You walk with Jesus long enough. You need to just start telling yourself. We'll make it through. It'll be all right. Just walk with him long enough. Because you will see every single situation that has happened in your life. And he brought you through. Everything. Everything. You look back and you say, my God, look where the Lord brought me from. He brought me through that. He brought me through that. He brought me. So now you know what he's capable of. So when the next thing come, uh, that's really a challenging situation. Uh, when the next thing come where you don't know, just know that he knows. Old time folks say, he knows. The Lord knows everything. They have some, they have some saying that was just so simple and we overlooked them. Because their way of saying the Lord knows everything just meant, I don't know. And guess what? I trust him. He brought me through so many times, he's gonna bring me through again. But that's when you know God. That's when you've experienced God bringing you through time and time again so you know I'm alright. But if you don't know God, if you've never experienced God bringing you through time and time again, then you're going to find yourself being fearful. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, we got to be careful of following the crowd. We got to be careful of bandwagoning. Getting on the bandwagon. We live under peer pressure. It, it's not just the kids that have peer pressure. Adults have peer pressure. We got to live up to a certain standard if our neighbor's living this way. So here comes our peer pressure. I got to do this because everybody else is doing that. Oh, my God. I, I wish somebody would hear me today and hear what the Lord is trying to communicate to you to just say, just be content with what I have provided for you. Just be content with the way I will guide you to live your life. You don't have to compare your life with anybody else. I don't care how many people are doing it. You just stick with my plan. Even if you're in the minority right now, just stick with my plan and keep doing what I say and stop desiring the things out there thinking you're missing something. So, can I tell you this? So the biggest trend I've been seeing lately, because I'm in that age group, is a lot of people that I went to school with, they got to have their 50th birthday party. You don't get too much by me. Uh, I'm serious. I, I hate that my brain is like that, but it ain't too much getting by me. I ignore some of it, and some of it, I just got to deal with it. And so my generation seems to... They, they, you know, some of them, you know, something like me and some of them, we're already 50 and some that, that turned 50 got to do the birthday thing. And I'm watching everybody, birthday thing. And um, watching even some that's supposed to be saved, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled, killing it on the dance floor, sipping their cocktail. Now hear me, because I don't want you to think I'm all biased or I got problem with things. No, that's the behavior of the majority. See, sometimes, pastor, ain't nothing wrong with sipping every once in a while. Pastor, ain't nothing wrong with dancing. Do whatever you want. All I'm telling you is, that's the behavior of the majority. You're quiet now. You're quiet now, because a lot of people feel they're uncomfortable. You can get uncomfortable. Just, just loosen up your tie if you need to. Get a little. You uncomfortable now? But this is the word of the Lord. I just, I, I'm reading to you this morning and teach to you this morning that God's way is not the way of the majority. God's way is not the way that everybody is doing. But somehow we have gotten to the place in 2019 that nothing wrong with this and nothing wrong with that. But what you're really saying in essence is, I'm ready to follow the majority. told you when we start, hopefully you can make up in your mind today that you're going to really make the decision today. And so we do that as secular people 
But unfortunately, we also do it as a religious people following the crowd or bandwagoning, getting on the bandwagon. How can you say that, preacher? Here we go again, Brother Henry. First Samuel chapter 8, verse number 4. The word of the Lord says this. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us. Here's the, here's the big problem. We're talking about Old Testament here. They, 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 they were living for God, doing their thing. God is doing his thing. And now Saul is old. They ready to put him out the door. I'm not saying it wasn't time for a new judge. It's fine. But that don't mean you change the whole system, the whole, you know, governmental system, hierarchy system in, the, in God's way of doing things. But you know what it meant? All along in their heart, they was watching the other nations. That's what it meant. They were watching other nations. Oh, man, look at how their king operated. And look how, how the king. Oh, the Holy Ghost just quickened me again. So the Holy Ghost just messed with me and said, mm-hmm. And just like they was all like that then, that's why they miss me, Jesus. Because they always have their mind on what they think it's supposed to be. So when Jesus came, the Jews missed it, that he was the Messiah. Because us people always have our minds all wired the way we think it should be wired. We looking out for things the way we think it should be. Instead of waking up every day and say, God, this is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, this is the day you have made. You know every single situation that will occur. You know how to keep me out of danger. You know what to tell me to do that I may be the Glorious, this is the day you have made, Lord. Now, will you order my steps, Lord? Because you said the steps of a good man are ordered by God. Now, will you order my step, Lord Jesus? Because I don't know what will transpire in this day. I don't know the things will occur in this day. But you know them because it's already done in your mind. Now, God, have your way in me today and just take it day by day. As opposed to having all this perception of how it's supposed to be, how things are supposed to look, and what we expect. When are we going to learn that we're all messed up? I don't care how smart you are. I just read to you about these PhD guys that got PhD on, up on PhD. Their degrees got degrees, right? And, and, and they don't know who Jesus is. So when are we going to admit that, Lord, I don't really know? I thank you for the mind you've given me to, to be able to choose you, but I really don't know. And so we have this situation where we're always looking outside of our environment and thinking it's better. What they say? Grass not always greener on the other side. And what they say, when you look on the other side, you think the grass is greener than yours. It may be, but underneath it is the septic tank. You ever notice? Go look at the grass that's over the septic tank. It's greener than any other place, any other part. It's green. But you know how it's getting green? Uh, all that stuff under there. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And so the children of Israel, all along, while God was blessing them and, and just working on their behalf, they're still looking at the other nations. Man, they got a king. He sits in the palace. He's, they, they got it going on. And so when Saul got old, it was the right time to say, it's time to be like all the others. Oh, help me. Samuel got old. It's time to be like all the others. <laughs> oh, my God, help us. Listen. Here's another thing you need to think about. The Bible says that... Joseph died, and there rose another Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. And when we fail to keep on passing 
our heritage on, our history of what God has done to us. At some point in time, the next generation is going to come behind us and think they know better. Yeah, that's how y'all used to do it. Yeah, 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 but this is how we need to do it now. Listen, that's fine with technology. But it ain't fine with Jesus. See, technology was created by man. And man don't know everything and man is still learning. But the things of God was established by God. And he knows the ending from the beginning. So he didn't create stuff and establish stuff and be like, Stuff is going to happen that he didn't expect. We have stuff that happened that we didn't expect. And so now we got to respond to it. So here's another thing. We think we get smarter all the time when we gain more insight. But we keep on doing things and ignoring other things. I was just saying to someone the other day. I'm very un- two things that we came up with that I'm very uncomfortable with, but again, our young people love it. They're rolling with it. I have a big problem with Airbnb, and I've got a big problem with Uber. <laughs> Do I use Uber? Yes. I'm not using Air- Airbnb. Good. Why do I why why do I have a problem with Airbnb? Because now you're giving it there, there are individual people where we know everybody ain't legit in their thinking and how they are. So we've already read where people set people up. Yeah, I've got this couple. I think they loaded. They're going to stay at my house. They got cameras in there watching them, and they tell the, the, the crooks that they know, rip them off. Hit me off later. You don't know when that's going to happen. So it's not a good situation with Airbnb. I'm just telling you all. So, so we thought we got smarter. Here's a great way of doing That's cool. It's probably working for some people, but many people has gotten robbed that way. Oh, yeah. Especially in the foreign countries. I just read one just in New York. Lady rented her, her penthouse. There were some racial things there. I don't know how legit it was. But when she rented it, she spied. She was driving around the block watching who was coming in because you usually don't always know. She found out was like six big, thick brothers. And she came up and came to her house and she looked in and she just didn't like the vibe. It's like, y'all got to go. So now she ran her stuff. And she, I give you your money back. You, you can't be in my house. So I don't like Airbnb. I'm not saying anything wrong with it. I'm just telling you we got smarter and created something that we think worked for us. But there's a backlash. I just read Uber. Two ladies got in. Dude locked the door. They can't come out. (laughs) That's not the first time. However it worked, I'm just saying, the creation of Uber has caused some issue for us. But we never thought about all that when we were coming. All somebody thought about was life will be easier. All somebody thought about was the majority will follow. All somebody thought about was dollar bill, dollar bill, dollar bill. I'm going to make some good money. And they never thought about the consequences. Well, that's what we're doing today, still following the majority. We're following the majority and not thinking about the real consequence. That's not the one you want to mess up with and follow the majority. You can follow the majority doing certain things and you might make it out. But when you follow the majority not following Jesus, we're in trouble. And so religiously we do these things. Israel wished to have a king. Like all the heathen nations, to conduct their wars and conquer their enemies. Their motive which led them to desire it was wrong and hostile towards God. All the evils and misfortunes that Israel had suffered was due to their unbelief and disobedience towards God. Can I say this? A lot of times we're trying to adjust and make certain decisions when really all we have to do is stop being disobedient to God. Oh, man, I lost you. I got to reel you back in. I don't know where you went. Where did you go? Come on back. 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 
A lot of times our struggles is because we've been disobedient. And it doesn't matter how many times we readjust and adjust our situation. It will keep on happening because the real core issue is not that we need to change what's currently going on. It's that we need to obey God because that's the change that changes everything. Lord, why you let me preach this this morning? Because people don't like this kind of preaching. Why you don't let me preach what they like? They like they like to hear that they're going to be blessed. They like to hear they're going to get a lot of money. They like to hear they're going to get property. They like to hear they're going to heaven. Can you just let me preach that sometimes? Well, most of the times. He just said, boy, go back and do what I tell you. Consequently, their self-willed determination, Israel, we're talking about, in demanding a king, notwithstanding the warning of Samuel, was an actual rejection of the sovereignty of Jehovah, since he had always manifested himself to his people as their king by delivering them out of the power of their foes as soon as they returned to him with repentance. God was taking care of them. But all while God was taking care of them, they were looking at the other nations. Young people, children, can you stop worrying about the other kids and what they have and what they don't have and trying to tell your parents what your parents need to get you? Huh? Can you, can, can you understand that what you have is what you have and it's good for you? Stop comparing yourself with the others. Stop saying we need to have so-and-so like so-and-so. Nonsense. God gave your mama and a daddy. You didn't choose that mama and daddy. God gave you that. Respect them, love them, and be grateful for everything they do for you and stop wishing for somebody else's stuff. Maybe that can go with some adults too. We have to stop wanting the majority. And flowing with the majority and getting on the bandwagon. Matthew chapter 7, what we read. Flight attendants, prepare for landing. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way. That leadeth to destruction and many there be which do which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. It is not easy to locate the straight gate. Because the crowd has your attention. I'm getting somewhere with this. I'm almost there, but it's just something I got to take home. The crowd has got our attention. What they're doing, what they're drinking, how they're living, what they're driving, what they're wearing, what they're carrying. The crowd has our attention. And so because the crowd have our attention, we can see the straight gate. This is why the Bible said it's hard for some to find it. It's not because it can't be found. But it's clear that we are following the crowd. Now think about this. If that door is open and we're all trying to go out in the crowd, how can you see anything but the person in front of you and the person behind you? You can't see anything around you unless you're real tall and you can look over everybody. But if you're just normal height... You can't see when you're in the crowd. So you will never find the straight gate if you're rolling with the crowd. That's why it's difficult to find that gate because we're rolling with the crowd. We are so distracted and enthralled by the crowd of the majority that we can't recognize the straight gate. Notice, entering into the straight gate does not mean you have arrived to your final destination or your destiny. Enter ye at the 
straight gate. It didn't say enter into heaven. No, no, no. That's not what it says. Because in order to get to heaven, the Bible says, narrow is the way to our final destination, our destiny. And so I preach to you today the narrow way. I preach to you today the narrow way. And the only way we're going to get to heaven is by the narrow way. Not the broad way, but the narrow way. And we want to enter heaven the broad way. And unfortunately, Jesus said, that's not the way you will enter in to have eternal life. It's the narrow way that will take you into eternal life. The straight gate is the entrance that leads to your final destination, to eternal life. And it's like, you ready for this? The straight gate is like your born again experience. If you're here today and you have not been born again, you need to be born again. That's just entering into the straight gate. You're not where you need to be. You're just now entering in. But When you follow the narrow way, it will take you to the destiny that Jesus has for you. But for right now, the only way you have hope is to be born again because that's the straight gate. Why you think I've been saying to you that if you ask somebody right now, can you explain to me how can I be saved? That's the straight gate. That's why they can't tell us because they've been following the crowd for so long. They don't know how to be saved. They don't know how to give their life to God. They can't explain it because they've been following the crowd. But today, I'm here to tell you somebody, don't follow the crowd because if you follow the crowd, you can't find the gate. You can't find the narrow way because the crowd is entered into the broad way. Be comfortable with who you are. The more you feel like there's not a lot of us doing this, you need to be shaking your head and says, I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track. The day you feel like everybody, you're doing what everybody's doing, stop and say, Lord, this doesn't feel right. Everybody's doing what I'm doing. This doesn't feel right. Something must be wrong here. Uh, I got one. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm, almost, I'm, I'm almost there. Landing gear is down. Uh huh. Jesus has already told us that he is the way. Do you understand how this word is just oh, woven just so beautifully? Why did he say narrow is the way? And he's already said, I am the way. And he says, narrow is the way. And so you should understand this. I'm getting ready to take it down here for you. The bottom line is this. He knew that not many will want to follow him. This is why he can say narrow is the way. Because I am the way. And if you're going to get there, it's by me. But what I try to tell you need to do to follow me, you won't follow me. You want to follow what everybody else is doing and believe you're going to get to where I am. No, 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 baby. We can't be where Jesus is doing what we want to and following the crowd at the same time. The only way we're going to be where Jesus is is by following him because he is the way. And he is the way that we must take. And if we take any other way, we will never be where Jesus is. The narrow way. The narrow way, church. Stop stop worrying yourself about how you live, thinking that, oh, man, God, everybody's doing this. And what's wrong with this? If it compromises what God says, then who cares? Who cares? I started saying something that I didn't finish. 
So everybody in my um in my age group doing their 50th birthday party. And so the thought came to me as I'm watching this one say, yeah, I'm doing this. And you know the thought that came back to my mind, and I just smiled. You will never be able to recapture and feel the same way you felt when you did this same thing 20 years ago. What do you mean by that, preacher? So I know some of these people having the 50th, and I know what we did when we were 19, when we were 20, and when we were 21. I remember what we did. And I know they're trying to recapture what we did back then. And I just smile and I says, you don't understand. All of the experience you've had since the age 21 and 22, all of what you've been through, having kids, being responsible, all of these things, it changed the impact you will receive from having your birthday party. When you have your birthday party at 21 and you ain't living for God, you know what you say? I'm going to drink till I can't drink no more. I don't know how it feels because I started serving God at a, at a decent age. I don't know how it feels. But try having a hangover when you're 50 as opposed to when you were 22. Try that. When you're 22, you wake up and the, and the, and, and the house still spinning, but you're making it through. I'm good. Still ready to drink at 22. You see what happens. You drink at 50 and the house spinning and see if you can keep on drinking. You'll be stretched out and laid out. You can't drink no more. You might think you got to go to the hospital. Because there's a couple days well before you get back in line. But somehow they're thinking I can recapture what I did when I was 22. So let me have this birthday party. Man. I see it all the time. We're trying to recapture. It's not the same. It's not the same. What gives us great pleasure, if we will really understand it, is watching somebody else's life just just going great. This is why God brings us through the process, having kids and raising them up to be better off than what you were, having grandkids and, and just showing the grandkids, you know, things of the family history that they wouldn't know, and you just thanking God that you became a grand or a great-grand. Those are the things that should make you happy, not hangovers. Not hangover. Hangover is not going to work. And so you go, listen, and back in 22, it took a minute before you really start feeling it. For those of you that are still drinking at 50, you know half a glass gets you tipsy. <laughs> half a glass get them tipsy now. Back then, you could knock out three glasses, a wine, a shot. And what you tell yourself? I just got to drink a lot of water. <laughs> Y'all don't want to mess with me. Remember, I wasn't always saved. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just got to drink a lot of water, and I'll be all right. I won't wake up with no hangover. But at 50, it's still different. And so we're getting ready to hit the runway. Jesus already told us he is the way. And a lot of people don't want to follow Jesus because we think that following Jesus is just rough. Listen to this. Through the wide gate, the road is easy. This gate is easy to find. The path is easy to follow. The wide gate, the broad way. There is plenty of room for many people to wander in and continue in whatever direction they wish. This road leads to destruction, but it's easy to find. Because everybody is doing it, so it's easy to find it. You want to know what not to do? Look at what everybody is doing. I'm just saying. Maybe you don't want to, maybe you want to, maybe you want to follow the, the wide way. The price we got to pay for falling the wide way is not worth it. No, it's not. It's not. You know what's funny? There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that we calculate 
the 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 what's the word I'm looking for? We we calculate uh, what will happen to us, the consequences. That's the word. We calculate the consequences and say, I can deal with that consequence, and we go through with it. Many of us have done that. Probably all of us have done it. We kind of understood the consequence behind whatever we were doing, but we were able to say, all right, I can deal with that. I'm sure Daryl, more than many of us, he played football. And y'all don't know how hard that is. Only people that play football know how hard it is. None of us that watch it or hear about it or whatever, we don't know. And he had to calculate the consequence that if I, I got to step up in the pocket and hit that big boy real hard, it's possible I can get knocked out. But he calculated that and said, but this is what I chose to do. So I'm going through with it. You playing football, you don't know who's going to get hurt on any given Saturday or every given Sunday or Monday, whatever. You don't know what is, how it's going to affect you. And so many of the, the, the professional football players, you see them now and you're wondering, are there, are, is the millions worth it? I was thinking about you, D. I thought about you after I left Friday night. I said, I don't know if you thought about it, but I think about it for you. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that the life you have now or the life you could have had if you played professional football. Have you thought about that? Yeah? Well, I looked at your life now and I said, man, you got a good life now. So, you know, you could have played foot, um, football and I would have never met you. Oh, if, I, if he would have played professional football, I would have never met this guy. We would have never met. We would have never crossed paths. He would have been rich, having a good time. He would have been like Barry Sanders. That's how far I took it. He would have been like Barry Sanders. He <laughs> made a good play. Right, Sam? He would have made a good play. Here you go, ref. Give the ref the ball and go back to just doing business. But the bottom line is I thought about him. I said, man, you know what? Their life is good, and I don't know how good it would be if he would have played professional football because he would have been probably walking around. You don't understand how that works. You all don't know. These football players, if you see them, hands are mangled. They, they can't stretch their fingers out all the way. They can barely walk. All kind of things. Do they have millions in the bank? Some of them, yes. But they're all messed up. They, they don't have a good quality of life. This dude have a good quality of life. So he calculated when he played the consequence, and all of us, we have calculated consequences in our life and said, I can handle it. Here is my point as I close up here today. Don't calculate the consequences of hell. We, I think we don't realize because we have lived our life so constantly calculating the consequences of everything, we just automatically stepped into that realm of cons- just, 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 just thinking about the consequences of hell and kind of like, ah, ah, ah. not only that it's real, but somehow we think it's not going to be as bad because oh, that's how we calculate. Okay, it's real. And if I go there, how bad can it be? That's the calculation. That's how we think as human. How bad can it be? I mean, I hear all that, but come on now. And then we even take a step further and say, please, we probably just die and there ain't no hell. We're just going to just be dead. Listen to me. Listen to me. There is no way Jesus will allow the majority to be destroyed. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all miss what I'm saying. No, no, that's not what we think. That's what we think. So let let me, this is me talking like the people, like the majority. That's what I just did. Brother Kelly, you caught it. I, I just spoke like the majority. This is what the majority say as they follow the majority. There is no way. Jesus is going to allow all of us to be destroyed. Yeah, you get it now? That's why we keep following the majority, because we settled that in our mind. Ain't no way. He went on the cross for me. Ain't no way he's going to let us all be destroyed, right? These are the things we say when following the crowd. Jesus is not the one responsible for our demise, our distractions, or our destruction or anything. We are the one who choose the way. 
So the way of the straight gate is there. The way of the wide gate is there. And we decide to choose the wide gate and not the straight gate. Jesus didn't send you there. He didn't make you go there. You chose that way if that's the way you go. Jesus said the way to follow him, his way. He know the narrow way. He know it's not easy. You want me to give you some proof? John chapter 6, verse 66. You didn't know 66 verse was in John chapter 6. John chapter 6. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Uh huh. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Are we going to be like Simon Peter and realize that we may be in the minority, but Jesus has the words of eternal life. And the only way to get to eternal life is by the narrow way. Not by the wide way. It's only by the narrow way. And so narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. When the scripture says narrow, it meant a pent up way, a narrow way, a difficult to navigate way. This is the word used in this particular text. And it means that the way to heaven is pent up, narrow, challenging, and not so obvious to navigate. That's why you need Jesus, because we can't navigate the narrow way by ourselves. We need Jesus for him to lead us in the narrow way. And the only way to get and have eternal life is by the narrow way. Will somebody clap their hands unto the Lord? Will somebody give the Lord some praise for being the way that we can follow, for being the way that we can go and experience eternal life, the narrow way? Will you stand with me? We will not enter eternal life. Listen to me. Final statement here. We will not enter into eternal life by accident, by default, by God making an exception. Let me say that again. We will not enter into eternal life by accident or by default. Or by God making an exception. Because there's some people that's holding on to that little part right there. Well, God may just make an exception for me. Uh-huh. Listen. We will only enter into eternal life if we are intentional. We will only enter eternal life if we're intentional. So just going with the crowd, that's not intentional. Just going with what everybody else is doing, that's not intentional. Just, just, just flowing with everything, that's not intentional. The only way we will, uh, this is why the narrow way is so just perfect to understand. Because you can only go the narrow way if you're intentional. Where is that narrow way? I want to know the narrow way. How many people, oh my God, how, how many people come to you and ask you, I know you go to church. How do I get saved? How do I, how, how do I make it into the kingdom of heaven? How many people are coming to us and asking us that? Not a lot because they want to follow the crowd. But everybody want to blame Jesus if they don't make it in. Lord, you said, you said, you said, Lord, but Lord. You didn't want to follow the narrow way. You liked the wide way, the broad way, because everybody was having a good time. That way, you do whatever you want. That's the big reason why a lot of people don't come to church, because they want to do whatever they want. Uh-huh. And church, Jesus tells you what he expects of you. Acts chapter 14, verse 21 says, And when they had preached the gospel to that city... And had taught many, 
they return again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we must through much, keyword, enter the kingdom of God. You're not going to get in there easy. I know we want I know we want to pretty it up and I know we want to make it look nice that no big deal we'll get saved we'll be fine. You know God didn't make it hard for us. No, God didn't make it hard for us. We made it hard for ourselves. We we decide to become the majority that's not following God. God didn't decide that. We decided that I don't want to follow God. So so many of us decide that we're not following God that now we have a majority that's not following God. So it's not God's fault. He didn't make it hard. We chose to make it hard. And so God is saying today to every one of us, if we're going to make it in and we're going to have eternal life, the road is not going to be easy. If we're going to make it in and we're going to have eternal life, it's not going to be what everybody else is doing. So hear me real easy. Quit trying to do what everybody else is doing if you want to go to heaven. Quit trying to do what everybody else is doing if you want to go to heaven. If you want to go to heaven, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And now you have to ask yourself, what is Jesus doing? How is Jesus moving? Because that's the only way I can go to have eternal life, by following Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray that somebody will make a decision this morning, this afternoon, to say, today I make up in my mind to do what the Lord wants me to do. I understand now that I can't just do whatever I want and make it in. The word of God was clear today, clear as day. Narrow is the way that lead to life. Narrow, not broad. So if you expect to make it in and have eternal life, you're going to have to take the narrow way. Not a lot of people is on the narrow way. Huh. Oof. So listen to this. Narrow, you have to be orderly. <laughs> oh, God, Lord. Man, oh, man. I wish I could stay in that pulpit every day. Because the kind of stuff that the Lord just allowed me to understand when I'm in there is, is just narrow is orderly and crowd is disorderly. You want to understand if his way is right. It's a lot of things he puts in there, sprinkle in, that he wants us to understand if we will just really seek after him. And what he just, just dropping my spirit says, watch the narrow way, Wayne, how they're just regimented. They're in order. They're in line because the way is narrow. You can't be all over the place. You got to be regimented. You got to follow. When you go the wide way, it's a crowd and everybody trying to do their own thing. Somebody hear the word of the Lord today and make a decision to follow Jesus because he is the way that will lead you to eternal life. And there is no other way. We can't just live any kind of way and do what everybody is doing, the majority, and make it in. Why don't you take a few moments? If you can, come to this altar today. If you would like to come to the altar, come to the altar and speak to the Lord today and begin to express yourself to Him because I'm afraid that a word like this that come to the, come to the, to, to, to us this morning, we can overlook it and leave this place today and go right into eternity. Somebody could leave here today and reach right into eternity and never calculated that today you could walk into eternity because if we lose our life today we step right into eternity and there is no more negotiating there is no more negotiating how we will do to make it in I'm here to tell you hear my voice today hear what I'm saying today I'm concerned that we're just living with the majority and doing what the majority is doing and if we lose our life today we enter right 
right into eternity and that will be the broad way. We will not have another opportunity to turn around and go the straight way. I'm here to tell you Jesus is wanting you to know that even if you are following the way that is wide and broad, you can turn around and come and follow the narrow way. It's not too late to come down and follow the narrow way. It's not too late to come down the narrow way because Jesus loves you. Because Jesus is calling for you today to say, my child, will you come to me? The way is before you. I've set my servant before you today to point you to the way of the narrow, the straight gate and the narrow way. I've set my servant before you to Point to you where you must go. Will you come, my child? Will you come, my child? Will you come, my child? Will you come and enter in? Because it's the beginning. It's the beginning of where you need to enter to follow my way, to do my will, to come and save yourself from this untoward generation. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, don't let us leave.